John McGrath and Troy Malcolm. Welcome to Million Dollar Agent. Good to be here. Isn't it good seeing a bit of rain around Australia? Great to be the here. The poor buggers, the farmers, they've had been such... And I, and I just hope the rain that we're seeing in the coastal cities is going as far inland as possible because, you know, it's just such a tough time, isn't it, out in the land? You know, we think we've got problems, and we're going to talk about problems today about agents realigning price yeah. to some degree, and we've spoken about those things. But in reality, you know, compared with... We are still in... Most Australian markets are still amongst the best in the world, even at this let's say, you know, change or altered state. Mm. There are places in America, there are places in Europe where if you get a, a, a nibble on a property inside of two years, you're doing well. Yeah. So, you know, part of why I think what we're going to talk about, Tommy, it's over to you to lead the, lead the choir, but I think it's going to be about your mindset because it's the greatest problem right now, is, I think, is actually not as much the market. It's becoming the agents yeah. because agents are now, you know, day after day, they're feeling negative. They're kind of saying to me, buyers don't want to buy, and I'm saying, you're crazy? Someone gets dressed, they get in a car, they come and visit you on a Saturday, they respond to an advertisement because they don't want to buy. That's insanity. Mm. Of course they want to buy, but they need to know that the price is right for today's market. They don't want to buy at 2017 prices because it looks like, in hindsight, the market peaked about a year ago. Yeah. So, um, John and Troy, we talked about a few things for about five minutes before the podcast, which is... uh, normally more time than we've ever spent preparing, <laughs> which is which is good. But then, John, you said something is, and ultimately, the gap hasn't changed. And that's a really interesting term. You know, the gap hasn't changed. So we can turn around and we can talk about there's lots of owners and agents are getting emotionally devastated because some agents, they love, they love their vendors so much, they love their job so much that they get emotionally connected and they want to feel like the rescuer and they're sort of, they, they, they sort of participate in the situation a vendor is, which is they probably would have got two million a year ago, but they're getting 17.50 now and they get emotionally- Let's say 18, 1.8. 18, 1.8. 1.8. 10%. 10%. 1.8, and they were going to trade up to three million it's now 2.7. Reality is they're better off. Yeah. But they're feeling, because they heard whispers that they might have got 2 million a year ago, so they kind of feel like they missed the boat and it's a bad time, quote unquote. Whereas in reality, it's better off. So as an agent, it's our job is to take the logic, because right now, the reason people aren't selling is generally emotive mm-hmm. and illogical, irrational, if you will, Troy. Yeah, because the gap hasn't changed in that instance. Let's take a smaller number, 1.5. You're going to sell for a million. It's now worth 900. The one you're going to buy for 1.5 is now worth 1,325. You're better off. Yeah. But you've got to move forward. So yeah. I think part of the agent's job is, is to take this to listen. First, you've got to check with the vendor, Tom, and say, you know, Tom, do you really want to sell in this market? Because prices have changed, you're right. Market sentiment has changed. Your property is still saleable, but at a different level. So let's just go through the reason you decided to sell. Is it still relevant today? So you have the conversation. Nine out of 10 will come to the conclusion, which is the right one, I think, is yes, it is a bit still the right one. One in 10 will say, pop a tenant in for 10 years until the next cycle. That's fine. At least you know, and you're not going to stay there wasting a lot of time and frustrating them and interrupting tenants or occupants. So I think it's a matter of seeing logic. Shift your paradigm. Agents listening here, shift your paradigm to buyers want to buy. Yeah. Everyone that's out there ringing you, emailing you, turning up to inspection wants to buy. They just need the price to be right in today's uh, money. 
Everyone that's on your books wants to sell. Nine out of ten, everyone. Yep. One out of ten is kind of still there saying, if I don't get 2017 price, I'm not moving. Take me out of here in a box. That's fine. Just need to discover which one that is. The others, though, Troy, as we were speaking about before, is they need you to be on the front foot because not many people ring you up and say, hey, Tom, how are you today? Just want to let you know I'd love to reduce my price by 12%. Are you okay with that? Yeah, as a vendor, you're not going to do that. You kind of feel a bit of ego and it's not your position. Whereas if an agent turns up and says, hey, Tom, I want to run through what's happening in the market and I just want to bring you up to speed with kind of buyer feedback and I really want to check out if you still want to sell because yeah. I totally respect if you don't. But if you do want to sell, I want to put a plan in front of you that's going to achieve that goal. So then all of a sudden, they say, okay, what do you think we should do? Well, you know, the buyers are at this price. You know, I know you're looking for 1.1. Buyers are around about a million, 980 to a million. And they go, well, what about we reduce it to a million and 50? See, the problem with that, Tom, is reduce it to a million and 50, we're still not at where the buyers are at. Mm. And buyers are not paying overs in this market. And if the market continues to falter and the, the experts, quote unquote, are saying there could be another 5 to 7% further downfall in, in, say, Sydney and Melbourne and, and a lot of other markets, then the 900 today may well be 875. So if we don't get to that 900 now and create some competition and get some engagement, the next discussion we're going to be having is probably going to be around we need to be at 875. So let's go straight there. And that, you know, I often talk to her, as you know, in, in, in the company about 30 seconds of courage changes yeah. your life. That, that 30 seconds statement, you can even like transcribe it. And, and oh, John, I, I have to say, listening to it there, and I mean, we're in this. We're, we're doing a podcast and we're, we're talking with the training hats on. I've sat there and I've put myself as a vendor listening to you. and It's belief. It, it's, it's belief. It yep. hits home because I do get it. Loss aversion is a real painful thing. People, there's the, the Daniel Kahneman, who I've been talking about the last few weeks, talks about people feel more pain losing a dollar than pleasure winning a dollar. And that's, and that's a, a yep. real thing. But commercially, what we're saying is actually does make sense if you're someone that's going to buy and sell in today's market, it actually makes even more sense if you're an upgrader. And, and, you, and you're able to sit on the sidelines for mm. three or six months because I've got to tell you, 99 out of 100 chance the market's going down, not up. I think you're Worst right. case, it's stabilised and you're no worse off. Yeah. Probably it comes back three, five, seven percent. That you know, I mean, there's I some think, crazy but, person out there saying forty percent. Troy, do you do you think you're out there? You're doing a lot of training. You're doing a lot of great work, and you're speaking to agents on education all the time. John, um, you know, it's in your DNA the capability of your people. Um, you've said it eloquently. I think that some real estate agents need to really upgrade their ability to have those conversations. Yeah, you're right. 100%. And it Go starts with the belief. Like, you have to have that belief, but it's also not the time for heroes in the market. You know, I was at a training session recently, and one of the agents, and the dialogue, that just rolled off their tongue. They didn't mean it intentionally, but they said it's worth that every day of the week. Yeah. If it's worth that every day of the week, you would have... You'd have sold it three weeks ago. Exactly. You would have competitive <laughs> tension at the at, that's at the a common. That's a Very common good. kind of uh, phrase that is going around, Troy. It's worth it. They've already dropped 50 grand. But the point is that 50 grand is still over. Yep. And so the belief part where John just had that amazing dialogue... You have to believe that the strategy that you're going to do in that 30 seconds of a courageous conversation and having the confidence to do that is what's going to make the difference in this market. It's going to be a sale or no sale, and then in three months' time, you're going to have to then have a more courageous conversation. If you, if you, if you don't remember anything else from this podcast, remember that 
every buyer wants to buy correct and every seller wants to sell it's your job to make it happen yep so it's no point in saying to the vendor i'll just take a little trim let's take you know five ten grand off because five ten grand is not going to make it work today it ain't going to make it make it work in the next three months mm-hmm. so get them to the price they need to be at to sell and they'll thank you in, in arrears if the market slips a bit further or even if it doesn't if it stabilizes and they go out there and they make a, a whopping purchase because there will be bargains I mean, I, I hope that we never sell any of them because that's not our job, but I know there will be bargains. There'll be some vendors that are put under pressure. Um, there's going to be some situations that are unavoidable and people have to take a price well below what they'd have thought. Like the ones I'm hearing around, and I guess, you know, I'm exposed more to our people, they kind of feel like, hmm, that was, that's pretty good value. I'm not hearing the, my God, I can't believe they gave that away. Mm. But you will hear they gave that away in other scenarios over the next six months in almost every market in Australia because yep. there will be people giving it away. And that's the problem, as we say. When so, so, so let's talk, John. We talk about that. When, 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 a, when a value happens, when a, when a transaction happens in an area that you're, you're working, which um, is a forced sale, let's call it you know, a family split or financial purposes or um, under whatever. duress, right? Yeah, under duress. So that transaction sells for maybe a uh, hundred thousand uh, lower than what would have most agents would have thought. Yeah, that is 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 how does that? Yeah. So that, that here's a problem because some vendors have said to me, I've had this discussion with agents. Look, John, I, I need to let you know we're not desperate to sell, and I say I totally respect that. But here's the problem, Troy: there will be people around you that will become desperate yep. to sell. If they have a home that's vaguely similar to yours and they let it go at a silly price, not a price that we would ever recommend, but a silly price, that resets the market psyche to a property like yours is worth that amount. That becomes the benchmark. CoreLogic says it, every buyer knows it, every buyer quotes the agent. So even if you're not in a position where you have to sell, see, most people today, there's been enough negative media out there for long enough. Reality is people don't hit the market now expecting to get a great price. They hit the market now wanting to sell, either because they kind of have to or because they see an opportunity. Some of them are getting out there and thinking, God, I'm going to upgrade, so it's going to be a good opportunity. Other people see other, have another use for their money. So I think that you've just got to be mindful, and you've said it often, Tom, in your gyms around, you know, this is we don't sell in a vacuum, that you know we're in competition with everything that's out, out there, and therefore we're impacted by other people's decisions. Mm-hmm. This is not a time I'd want to be impacted by other people's decisions. So... I'm saying, Troy, I'd rather have you, as you're my client, which you are, I'd rather have you as a buyer, not a seller. Let's get your property sold. Let's let's align the price. I try not use the word reduce because yeah. it feels negative. Let's align the price to where the market's at. Let's create a little bit of positive competition. Let's get you sold, pop the money in the bank, and you can sit out there over the Christmas New Year break waiting for a bargain, and they will come. Yeah. And if someone says that to you, it's unarguable. You'll say, that does make sense. Eight out of ten will. One or two will say, John, I really I, I agree with everything you're saying, but I think I'll keep it till the next cycle because I have no need to sell. I have no mortgage. I have no interest in selling at X. When we get X plus 25%, I'm a seller. So John, then, can I ask you, were you listing and selling real estate in 1989? Do you remember yeah. after the boom? The, yep. the, the boom was 87, 88. You were in real estate then. Yep. Listing. yep. In 80, if, if you recall... And uh, it was my second year in real estate. And there, there, literally, there were very few buyers. It was a time when interest rates were, 
I think three times what they are now. 17, 17 18. Yeah. And there were... Much tougher than right now. Yeah. So I mean, this is a cakewalk to this market? Would no, you... I, think, I think this is much... Because people back then, you're right, Tom, there were fewer active buyers. Yeah. Eh? B, there was no internet, so to find the buyers was physically harder to yeah. do. Um, and the next thing was buyers had to say, hang on, the market's tough. It's 17% to borrow money. Mm. My God, like if I saw no upward trajectory in prices, you can imagine there's only a handful of people that wanted to buy anything because it was going to cost them 17% every year just to hold it interest only, Troy. That's no capital repayments. So nowadays we're still at record low interest rates. They've nudged up a little bit. It's a bit tighter getting money than it was, but it's still money's available for most buyers. You know, if you, if you, I'm not saying no dock loans are there, even low dock loans are tough, but if you've got a proper deposit and a credit history and you're not trying to overextend yourself, you should be able to get set with money at, at still very attractive interest rates. So, yeah, I think shift your paradigm. This is not a bad market. If your property is priced right, this is a strong market. Problem is, most properties out there are still not priced right, despite the fact we're now 12 months in. Why? Because... Agents play the game at listing, let's tell them the biggest price, who can tell the biggest lie, get a signature, then this market's not going to cope with that. Johnny, you've always uh, had the view that passing a property in and leaving it on the market for a prolonged period is actually not attractive for that property. Um, and uh, what's, so what's... Well, look, I've always heard of you, Tommy, as you guys know, that the first month is where all the best prices come. You know, whether it's this market or any other market, the best time to get the best price is from the day you list to about four weeks afterwards. That's not because of an auction scenario. I think it's just the way it is. After that, all of a sudden, you know, inquiry drops off, all the market's not as hot. People start saying, why hasn't it sold? There's a whole range of, or a number of, of layers as to why that's the case. So I heard something on Tom Ferry the other day. I was listening to it, and, uh, and he talked about uh, the magic month. Like, first yep. month is the magic month. <laughs> That's the time to sell it. And I thought it's quite, a, I'd actually never heard that phrase before, but, and he said, you know, the first month is a magic month. That's when you get the best price. And thereafter, price inquiry starts dwindling. And if inquiry dwindles, then price will dwindle. So even in this market, just have a plan, stay the plan, price it right to start with, market it confidently. You get a pest and building report, put a price guide on it, open for inspection two or three times a week. Um, make sure you get a stylist through or make sure that it presents well in any case. If there are any problems, deal with the problems up front. If the pest and building report says there's an issue, deal with it up front. Make it easy to buy your property. Not, I'm not saying make it easy to buy your property for a bargain. I'm saying make it easy to buy your property at, at fair market value. I was just chatting to one of the guys uh, before the, the podcast and, and I, I was running through and I said, look, I'm looking at the property here on the internet and there was no price guide. He said, yeah, we did have a price guide, but I've kind of taken it off just to kind of mix it up. And I said, you know, for me, it's not mixing it up. It's making it harder for the buyer. So buyers just move forward. Two is I said, have you got a pest and building report? He said, oh, no, well, the buyer's getting one done at the moment. I said, you know, I'd get them done going forward at the beginning of the campaign, not when you find a buyer. Because buyers want everything. They've got to tick every box, price right, easy to inspect, presents well, no, no big issues. Um, I don't have to, you know... Well, you're also putting, John, um, you're giving them an opportunity to find another property that it is easy to buy from. Mm. So by not having a price guide, they may discount it. 
If you're choo- if you're choosing Troy, if, if you're they don't have up, a bu- yeah, they don't have a building and pest inspection. They might choose another one because yeah. it's easy to buy that other property. It's funny we're talking about easy to buy today in an Uber in Melbourne. Um, I don't know if you've seen the, those screen reflectors, uh, and you might have them on your or cars where on the window you can actually see... About heads-up display. Heads-up display. You can actually see the speed, the mm-hmm. navigation, and an Uber guy had one on his car, and I looked at it, and it wasn't a brand-new car, and he'd actually bought it, and I said, did you buy that or that came with the car? He said, no, I bought it on eBay. It I reflects said, on the glass, right? It reflects yeah. on the glass. Yeah. And it's good. Like, you're driving along, and I'm sitting behind him, and I can see it showing yeah. turn left, speed. He goes, it keeps me at the right speed limit without me having to look down. And I said to him, where'd you get that from? He said, I bought it from Amazon. But he goes, you can buy them at, um, at JB Hi-Fi as well. I said, oh, they're probably cheaper um, on, on Amazon. How much was it? He says, oh, no, nah, they're not much cheaper. But he goes, it's a lot easier just to buy things on Amazon. Yeah. So... There's a, there's a classic situation where someone's doing a transaction because it's just a lot easier. He goes, oh, it's a lot easier. You just click on it and, and you get it. And I think that's what you're talking about there, John, isn't it? That's right, Tommy. And, and it's not one thing. It's lots of little things that yeah. make the difference. So it's not like if you do one thing, it's going to make it easy. You have to make it easy to show the property. You have to make it easy to find out if there's a problem. You have to make it easy to inspect it. You have to make it easy to inquire about it. You have to make sure the contract hasn't got anything in it that's going to put buyers off. All those things, you've got to go through it like a forensic, like you know, CSI, and make sure that there is nothing that's going to stop. That enhances your chance of getting a, a sale. And right now, we're not talking about six, seven deep of buyers. You mm. know, if you've got an auction going or you've got a private treaty and you miss a buyer, that could be the thing that tips it over. It could take you weeks and then all of a sudden the market drops yep. and you've lost 5 or 10%. So... You've got to make it easy. So, you know, look, hopefully for everyone that's listening, some of that's made a bit of sense today because um, this is going to be the situation, I think, for a while. Your gut feel, mm. Troy, John thinks that there's probably... If, if, if this was a clock, John, and you're talking about this is a generalised comment for the whole market, where do you think the, the clock hand is at? Well, I, I think we are beyond the peak, clearly, in almost every market. And I think we are halfway through the down cycle. So I think, which is about 12 months, and I think we've got about another 12 months of, of current, you know, the feeling it is at the moment. And then I think we'll see a little bit more confidence, which will stabilise values at that level. And then generally, historically, values plateau for two or three years, and then we start to see an uptick. So that's the other thing I'm saying to vendors is, Tom, just so long as we make the decision knowing that it'll be another four or five years in likelihood before we see the sort of price that you were talking about a year ago if you're happy to wait four or five years but if you think come February that the market's all of a sudden going to regain the 10% mm. it's just lost it's not going to happen in fact we might be looking at February and we might be 5% down that, that's probably a more likely scenario well, it's certainly a more likely scenario and it's probably a likely scenario Troy what yeah. do you think? probably a four three or four I'm kind of on that same view. I reckon there probably is a little bit more um, of a plateau that we're going to see. If we had to provide a, uh, um, you know, a, a, a toolkit for a real estate agent to um, survive and potentially thrive in this market, what are some of the things you do to bulletproof themselves? Because I do know that there will be agents leaving. I know that from um, some of the, the 
figures that are coming through that agents are leaving real estate. Mm -hmm. What is, I mean, I can't help it, and I had one agent in Melbourne say to me on Friday, they said, well, one thing's for sure, I'm reducing my expenses. Um, I'm going to reduce my expenses. I'm not, I think that he, he was going to go off to the USA at Christmas, and he says, I'm not going to go to the USA yeah. at Christmas. Well, look, I, I think in frugality in uncertain times is fine. I don't think this is a bad time, though, mm. and I don't think you must expect as an agent to make less than you made last year, which might sound counterintuitive to what we've been talking about. I think this is a market. If you have those 30-second courageous conversations, you can sell as much as you did last year. Yeah. But last year you had the ability to order take, which is not a good one, but order take and be a bit complacent and not make it that easy to buy and you still had 12 bidders standing outside the auction on a Saturday afternoon. That's not gonna happen this year. But if you have the right conversations and you go out, and I'd look at every, I'd look at your listing book or I'd think through your listings as you're listening to this, <clears throat> think about every single one of them. I'll guarantee you every single one of them will sell next week if it's priced right. Mortgagee sellers in this market have a 100% clearance rate. Yep. Why? Because they meet the market. Yep. And they're not desperate, but they get the feedback, they listen to it, they look at what's happening, they're totally unemotional, they ring a valuer three days before the auction says, you better pop around to see that house. We thought we might get a million. Feedback's been around 9.29, 30. Valuer walks around, comes back and said, yeah, look, 9.25 is probably the right place to put the reserve. You put the reserve on and people come and pay it. People act So on we've got to think like that. Unemotionally, we've got to remember that the seller is there to sell not to stay on the market. Mm. The buyer wants to buy, make it easy, make it sensible, make it logical. And, you know, you can have a great year. I actually think, Tom, it's not really about... It's, I think it's being conscious of your expenses, but it's being strategic as well. So I'm noticing a lot of agents, John, that have been successful over many cycles of the real estate market over the past 17 years that I've been working with the company. They're actually being really strategic, but they're doubling down on activity. Right, So they're trying to outpace the market because this is when most of the really successful agents are starting to build market share. Mm. One or two extra deals per month right now can equal 5-10% increase in market share in the next 18 to 24 months. When the cycle swings up again, then you're going to see a market share person that gets to the 30s, 40s, 50s percent, right? And that's kind of the activity that you want. It doesn't always have to be about the expense. It's hard, it's hard to win market share in a booming market, isn't it? Yeah. Because everyone's correct. Sort of, it, it, everyone's sort of equalised. Like even if you don't know how to negotiate, it doesn't really matter because the market was doing it anyway. Mm -hmm. It was covering a multitude of sins. Of course, yeah, yeah lazy course. agents with without. And I'm not being rude to our industry because no. the smart agents are still in the industry and listening to us today. But there were plenty of complacent, lazy agents that were overvaluing, that were not negotiating well, weren't even good at auction, and they were looking like heroes at the end of the day. The yep. market made them look that way. So, uh, yeah, I think it's, it is a good time. And as Tom Peters said, Tommy, you can't shrink your, your way to greatness. So I like that. I like that. I like that. So be, be frugal, but don't be silly about it. It might be a good time to be upping your, uh, your Facebook uh, ads or something. Johnny, in the great podcast you sent uh, Troy and I um, that involved uh, Sue Scott, I think it was her yeah, name. Susan Beers Scott. Scott yeah. She says, we, I've never seen a spontaneous... Uh, 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 a, a spontaneous a spontaneous remission to incompetence. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but we'll just finish on this point. I was reading, I wasn't actually reading the book Hemingway, but I was listening to someone else quote Hemingway. I think it was actually Sue Scott again, where there's two people sitting at a bar having a drink, two characters in a 1926 novel, and one says to the other one, so how did you go bankrupt? And the other one looked at him and he says, 
gradually then suddenly. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I think if anyone's struggling in real estate now or succeeding, I don't think it's happening all of a sudden. I think it's been gradually and um, the market's actually, as Buffett says, when the tide goes out, that's when you work out who's been swimming. Swim without their trunks. Swim without their trunks. trunks on. So guys, it has been fantastic. I will see you next week and uh, have a great week. Summer's coming. Summer's coming. See you guys.